all, guys, if you're just walking into the room, make sure that you get a handout from uh, Brandon Whitney over here. And also there are some index cards on the seat over here and the seat over here, um, which we're using if you want to submit questions. Um, and we'll try to have a Q&A at the end. Uh, if, if you can put your email address on there just in case we don't get to your question during the class, um, we'll try to address it afterwards. So just wanted to make sure everybody knows about the index cards and there's some pins. And we'll start in a couple minutes.
Hello, everybody. Hello. 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 Um, welcome to the class. Um, the title of the class is How to Serve as an Introvert and Extroverted Church. Um, if anyone's offended by the title, we we hope that you're not. <laughs> Sometimes people kind of misunderstand it. It's like, man, you know, you're telling us we have to change? No, nah, that's not really what the thing is. Uh, so anyways, I guess we're just going to introduce ourselves, and we're kind of going to go in order uh, so my name is Marcus. I've been hi everybody. Uh, I go here at North River. I've been a disciple for ten years now. God, it's been a while. And uh, yeah, I'm an introvert. So most people, when they tend to look at me, they're like, "Hey, Marcus, you're introverted." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's cool though. Sorry." Right. <laughs> I'm Emmy Whitney. Um, I'm also a member here at North River. Um, pretty much have grown up in North River as a Kingdom kid. Um, I've been disciple for 13 years now, and my wonderful husband is handing out, you know, things okay, right. back there. <laughs> um, and I am very much an introvert, but just want to share some of my story and my journey and the things that I've learned um, just along the way. Hi, everybody. My name is Brandy Gallion. Um, I go here to North River as well. Uh, I came here in, what, 2001. Um, and I've been a disciple for 16 years at this point, campus ministry, and also in, uh, in our edge ministry, our singles ministry here. Um, and I'm what you would call an outgoing introvert. Like, I'm not really shy, um, but I'm still very introverted, and we'll, we'll talk a lot about that later on. Yeah. yeah. So, I guess it's me. Um, <laughs> wait, I'm saying, uh, I sit here. I feel like I'm trying to angle myself, make sure the mic picks me up. All right, so my little section here, um, I would like to call it, uh, based on my personal journey, um, this kind of extends from not just introversion, um, but also myself. So what I title is, is Stop Defining Yourself by What You're Not. Um, the reason why I have that is that introversion, or the term introvert and extrovert, people have a lot of connotations for it. I'm sure as, as soon as you're looking at your page right now, you'll see introverts like this, extroverts like this, and you're like, wait, I have that, but I have that. I don't know. Like, what's going on? Is this right or not? It's a spectrum. But what I want to look at is the fact that for myself, um, how I've kind of grown up is that seeing the society around me and even seeing some of how we do things in the church, um, it can we can give the image that we value purely the elements of extroversion. And so what tends to happen is, like, for myself, I would uh, I would be in church, you know. So North River is a pretty large church, right? Um, and so we come up on a Sunday. There's about a 1,000 people here. Well, good thing the church is, well, you know, we kind of have two services now. It's a little bit less. But still hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. So you walk inside and you're like, hey, you know, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I have my family, my brothers, my sisters. I love everybody. We have guests. Let's reach out to everybody. Let's get to know everybody. Let's love everybody. It's going to be great. And I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> um, it started with me in the campus ministry. So like in the campus ministry, like, you know. Zealous, man. We are, we are all about going out there and making disciples. And that is a great aspect. We need to be reaching out to people. Um, 
kind of the issue, though, is that uh, when you kind of have that go-getter mentality, especially when it comes to things like cold contact and stuff like that, which those things are good, is that when you're introverted, um, and as you see, see, oh, I just go and I guess I just kind of give like a base thing, is that, you know, introversion and extroversion is all about kind of the energy you, you have. Uh, introverts tend to have a well of energy that's kind of, or that's kind of full. Like, you know, you have, you have a set amount of energy, a battery. And you wake up in the morning, you know, and you have your battery. You can go out, you can do things. And what happens is the more activities you're involved in, the that faster that battery drains. And when that battery drains, you need to take time away, let it refill, let it recharge, you know, do what you need to do so you can give some more. Extroverts wake up like, they wake up on E and they're like, oh man, this is terrible. I gotta fill up. You! 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 Let's go, like, you know, let's go skydive. That's how you can't skydive when you're an uh, introvert. But uh, more so, like, they draw energy from the things around them. So, uh, they have the ability to kind of take on more and they love doing things. They love, they, they just tend to like more to kind of be involved in things that are kind of high energy. And because of that, um, they can be a little bit of a, not necessarily a clash, but a kind of a bit of a misunderstanding. Um, and so for myself in the Kevin's ministry, I didn't understand when I was uh, reaching out to people why afterwards, you know, you feel great, like, amen, you know, we're helping people come to God, and this is great. But afterwards, I'm like, man, why do I always feel like I just ran a marathon? Like, I don't know. All I did was talk to people, but then I'm sitting there like, <laughs> and, and even if I'm not breathing hard, I'm sitting here and my, my, my brain's going, <laughs> so, um, and it's in parts of that, of that dilemma has kind of spread into my singleness in the edge ministry, in the singles ministry. Um, and I like to have a quote here. I, the last time we did this class, I read this quote, but uh, Martin Olson Laney, author of the book, The Introverted Vanish States, having limitations is not the problem. It is the meaning we give limitations that cause so much pain. Um, When I, when I read this quote before, I was talking about the idea that introversion is not a disease. And with that, in this class, is like, all I did when I, even to this day, I kind of still like have to work on it, is that I, I tend to look at the people around me and I say, hey, I am not that. Like, oh man, this person can be very gregarious. They can reach out to people. Um, and they seem to, to draw energy from it. Like... Oh, I'm 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 not that. How can I be more like that? Versus, hey, you know, like I have a certain set of skills. How can I use that set of skills to glorify God? Like I don't think of it in the right way. So, um, let's see. Psalms one thirty nine, uh, verse thirteen through fourteen. Um, the first thing um, I would like to read is this, uh, here is uh, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. So, as disciples, we understand that God made us with a purpose. And when God made us, he didn't make a mistake. 
Um, not to say that everyone who who is an introvert like can feel bad, but I know growing up um, in life, but also even in the church, sometimes I could feel like, man, I like am is uh, it's you know almost like, hey, is something wrong with me? Because sometimes I don't I don't feel as as encouraged or energized by certain activities that we do on like on a certain basis, and it's like, is that my heart? Or is that just that I'm feeling drained? Um, but I looked at it as like, oh, I don't feel that way. Man, something's wrong with me. I can't think that, though, because God didn't say that. God, God didn't make me wrong. So um, so what I would like to talk about at this point is what are the strengths of kind of introversion in general? Um in this case, um, I actually like to give a quote from uh, someone named Adam Adam McHugh. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of him, uh, but he's actually an evangelist um, for a different ministry. But he's actually an evangelist, and he's an evangelist, but he's introverted. Um, and someone asked him, "How has being an introvert helped your ministry?" His response was 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 pretty revelatory to me. Um, he goes on to say. That's a question I haven't been asked too much. Um, Too often we define introversion by what it's not, rather than what it is. I would really like to start defining it by its assets, not its liabilities. I have worked in a number of different ministry settings in the church, in college campus ministry, and in hospital and hospice chaplaincy. And being an introvert has helped me in all of these roles. My listening abilities as an introvert are probably the greatest gift that I have to offer people. In our culture, people so rarely have the experience of being truly listened to. Having their words, feelings, and experiences taken seriously. Uh, excuse me. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, people so rarely have experience of being truly listened to. Having their words, feelings, and experiences taken seriously. I have developed the skill of listening to what's unsaid. The doubts, questions, feelings that lie underneath what someone is saying. It's amazing how transformative it is um, and what it, it can be to a person to simply be listened to, even when no problems are solved or no advice is dispensed. Some people are surprised when I tell them that my introversion has also aided me in preaching and teaching, my natural bent towards study, thoughtful reflection and writing, all things that come to introverts more naturally have all helped me develop as a preacher. I love going deep into the nuances and applications of biblical texts, and I also think that my tendency to observe helps me to speak into the life of the community and the culture. Even though I enjoy writing sermons more than I do preach, I'm very comfortable in the pulpit as long as I have, as long as I've had a time to prepare. Uh, the fellowship hour after the service is another story. Um, and I read that and I was like, yo, that's yo. real talk. <laughs> um, and and I, I read that and I was like, man, you know what? That made me think of uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Um, of course, you know, to give the context, uh, in this case, it's kind of a similar parallel where you have disciples who were determining that certain more outward-facing, more public-facing uh, spiritual gifts made them better or more righteous than others. Um, and with that, they didn't understand that they were a part of a body. 
So in verse 12, he says, For just as the body is one, has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, what would, where would, uh, this, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as He chooses. If all were a sing- single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, "I have no need of you," nor again the head to the feet, "I have no need of you." On the contrary, the part of the body that seems to be weaker are, in, are indispensable. And, all, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the great, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. And, you know, he goes on from there. But how I parallel that is um, this here, it, Paul is also saying is that um, the same thing that uh, Adam McCall said, which is, I would like to. I would like to start def, uh, defining introversion by its assets, not its liabilities. What it is, rather than what it isn't. And I think uh, what happened in their case is that they started defining their spiritual gifts not by what they were, uh, or they they started defining other people's spiritual gifts by what they weren't. And I, that's something I don't want people, whether you're extrovert or introvert, to do with introversion. Also, the same for extroversion. Um, um, and what I have here is uh, introverts truly love uh, other people and introverts especially love serving people within their own skill set according to their time frame and in a way that honors who the introvert is a church with a myriad of programs and ministries can overwhelm introverts especially if those opportunities include pressure and expectations to serve a certain way introverts like to be approached about an opportunity and given time to think through the process and what they desire to do. When they're given appropriate time and space to process what they need, introverts can become some of the most loyal volunteers a church can have. Um, so we're not really limited by what roles we can take in God's ministry. All it is is learning how to take how, like, how God designed you and, and use your gifts in the most efficient fashion. Um, in this case, if you have a limited set of energy... You just need time to understand how to use it. And sometimes we don't get that time when we're having to do so much. And so that's just something to think about. And uh, the last thing I have here is another quote from um, um, Adam Q, which uh, in this case, I agree with it a lot because he, he talks about um, another part about discipleship, which is kind of evangelism. You know, how do we reach out to people? That's something that we kind of, uh, at least myself, I struggle with in my introversion because sometimes... You know, reaching out to people can be draining, but I don't want that to limit me in how I see God move. And so he says, I think there are different methods and images for evangelism that are more suited for introverts. One of the things I suggest is that introverts, instead of radically stretching themselves to initiate with strangers in uncomfortable situations, should start with the people who are already in their lives and ask how God is already at work in them. Evangelism is always a response to what God is already doing in people. As he works on people's hearts in a way that transcends even the most profound words we can muster. 
we can come alongside of our friends and partner with God in teaching and imbibe the gospel of Jesus. And we can use our gifts as introverts, especially listening and compassion, to demonstrate the love and the presence of God. By listening to people and really giving them space to express their questions and doubts, we ensure that when we do speak, we are addressing the real needs and concerns of a person. So right there, we can take our energy to the, our, our friends, the people that we've built relationships with, and use that to be um, listeners, the people to help them feel that they are loved for who they are. And all we're doing is revealing the work that God's already put in them. Um, and so to leave off from there, I just want to say, like, Let's not define ourselves by what we're not. Let's look at the strengths God give us, and let's be able to use that in a way that empowers him. And feel good about who you are. Because you were made beautifully. Okay. So that really perfectly into kind of things that I'll be talking about. Um, and the first thought that I had written down was, well, we had... Uh, when we met to talk about our class, the question Brandy had asked us was, you know, if you could give advice to yourself as a young disciple, like basically, especially about being an introvert, what would it be? And one of the things um, that I really thought about was that, you know, over the years I've learned, and it's really been this process that to learn that God's created me intentionally the way I am, even as an introvert, um, and I have strengths and needs, just like anybody does, um, but it's been, it is my responsibility to discover and accept those strengths and challenges and find how um, to serve God as he's designed me to. I think it was really interesting to me kind of on a couple different um, sides of the coin service this morning. So it's the first time in months, I don't know, a very long time since we've had a service all together and had that many people in the building and I was remembering, oh, yes, I am an introvert. Like, I'm usually at the slightly smaller service, even when we're split and everything. And went out to the lobby for something at some point and walked all the way around the building to come back in because I wasn't trying to fight the crowd. Um, but I was so appreciative of um, Jeff's sermon today and talking about, you know, that spiritual transformation and listening to God and just that process we go through because I feel like that so much characterizes my journey of even just learning um, who I am, who he's created me to be in so many ways, but also it's an area that as introverts, we're, I guess, almost more naturally inclined to have those strengths of like spending that quiet time with God and solitude. Um, but so some of my strengths are I am a great listener. Um, God's helped me to learn and given me a lot of compassion. I do sit around and observe and can get a lot of insights from that, either into people or situations. I feel and connect really deeply. Um, and another kind of just aspect of myself, it's not because I'm an introvert, but I also struggle with anxiety and depression. And um, I mean, just like anybody can have any personality type and have ADHD, like Everyone who is an introvert doesn't struggle with depression, but that's just a part of um, just a challenge that I've had for much of my life and have really been able to 
or God's just been able to teach me a lot through that too. But I'm also a servant who is able to anticipate needs because of, as an introvert, I observe and I can see like, oh, at an event, like, oh, we're going to run out of napkins or even just what somebody might need, um, encouragement, whatever it is. Um, so as far as my struggles, I do struggle with anxiety, depression, definitely perfectionist. And those, in addition to especially looking at our overall culture of just really lifting up extroverts and my whole life growing up in the church and um, just out in the world, which is like, be out of yourself, like, do this, do that. And, I mean, there are times that, yes, I was able to kind of meet that expectation, but a lot of times it was really overwhelming. And I spent a lot of years growing up just feeling like, I'm not good enough. There's something wrong with me. Um, and just feeling very overwhelmed and not really knowing why or just that, honestly, not understanding that anybody else was feeling that way too. Um, I have always hated when people who don't know me well, or for years I did, said, oh, you have such a gentle and quiet spirit. So I'm like, or when it's someone who knows me well, I'm like, I take that as such a compliment, but I'm like, but you've never tried to talk to me. So what you're really saying is you don't talk much. So we're just going to throw that like spiritual (laughs) lingo on top of it. (laughs) Um, But especially some books that I've read, even just about being an introvert, I've realized that even Jesus had this quiet strength to him. Like I love the story of him with the woman caught in adultery and his response to all their questions wasn't, this is what you should do or anything. It was, he asked them a question and then, you know, whichever one of you has never sinned, you throw the first stone. And he goes to writing in the sand. We don't know what he was writing, but that was such a powerful moment. Even though he wasn't yelling at anybody, he wasn't, like, jumping up doing anything crazy. But he had this, um, again, just quiet strength there. But kind of through a phase, few phases of my life, just wanted to share a little bit of the things God's taught me different times. Um, I think also even just feeling, a lot of those feelings I struggled with just about my personality or depression and different things, I really felt for a long time like I had no story. Um, and there are a lot of disciples who like either have these crazy stories about how they came to God. I'm like, I'm a kingdom kid. Like, yes, I had a lot of heart stuff to repent of, but it's like, what am I going to go out and tell people about? Um, in campus, one of my biggest challenges that I can see now looking back was that I didn't know my boundaries and I served and I attended everything like that was the expectation and that's what I was you know, really wanted to live up to um, but I often felt overwhelmed to the point that at Devo's and on Friday night and then by church service after a whole weekend of trying to hang out with campus because um, I was also the only person at my school for a period of time um, in Nashville and so that weekend it was like all of the social interaction with the campus but I would be in tears and like huge just sobbing breakdowns on Sunday just because it was just that level of both overwhelmed um and just sensory overload even can't do it um in my first job I am a special educator and I worked with kids in middle school with moderate severe intellectual disabilities and I love that population but just the demands of that job were 
so intense because the needs of my kids or medical needs, there was lack of support and different things. And for two years, I literally would come home to my roommates and just like lay on the floor. And like, this is the only way I can express the level of like tiredness that I have. Like I'm not even going to the couch. <laughs> like, I'm just going to be here. Um, and I spent a lot of time, you know, in the singles ministry at that point, feeling guilty. Like I should be doing all these other things too, but like, I don't even have the energy to, you know, get my laundry done or whatever it is that, um, be able to. So I've had two job changes since then. I went on to teach fourth grade at a school for dyslexia. And even that was a lot of stress and different things. And now I've moved into, um, the role of being a technology coordinator. And I also teach some, and it was hard for me to mourn the dream of being like this classroom teacher and thinking that was going to be my thing, everything. But like, even just thinking about that budgeting my energy, that was taking up so much of my energy that like everything else in my life or even my spiritual life was not getting that much. Um, so now I'm out of the classroom a little bit more, but I have a lot more energy for my relationship with my husband, for we lead a family group together and able to um, just really give more to the girls in my family group and can go back into serving in the kids' ministry, too, and um, been able to help with the special needs ministry that we've started up. Um, And looking back, I can really see how, when I was fighting the way that God designed me, that um, anxiety overtook me, self-focus would overtake me a lot, and even if it was a small conversation, especially in big gatherings, I would tend to um, just give in to like, feeling a sense of competition and disregarding others and just feeling like, well, I should be the one who's like the center of conversation or has the really witty comment and I'm so focused on that that I'd be just, I'm sure obnoxious sometimes, but just like talking over other people or just trying so hard to make myself what I felt like that ideal was. Um, and that's not God's desire for me in any situation. Um, and for so long, I had no boundaries in my serving. Um, I was doing what I thought I should do and just wondering why I felt just completely worn down, frazzled, and really bitter a lot of times, too, because it just felt like I'm doing all of these things that I should be doing, but I'm not getting the benefits or the abundant life that God you know, promises us. Um, but through just a lot of those different steps... Um, one of the things that has helped me the most to really live my best life as an introvert is I've God's really led me to safe people in my life. Um, and by that, I don't mean people who, you know, never tell me I'm wrong or something, but who really understand they might struggle with some of the same things themselves, but that I can come to with how I'm feeling or even say like, okay, I'm feeling so overwhelmed. Um, and I think I'm going to need to go home a little bit early or something and can just help me judge, like, hey, yeah, validate, that's a great um, choice right now, or challenge, like, hey, you've done that the last, like, three weeks. Like, what's going on here? And and it helped me to keep from going to either of those extremes. Um, I've had to become more conscious of and just really recognize the ideal that I'm trying to meet and does it match God's plan, especially God's plan for me personally. Um, and a lot of times it's been that ideal of either like, 
I have 50 friends and we're always doing things or whatever it is, or I need to talk to 5,000 people on the street to be able to be a good disciple and just, again, perfectionist in my brain. Like when I actually say the things, it sounds a lot crazier, but I can just have these thoughts just swimming around in my head um, and need to be able to keep, even just think about those things and also just uh, evaluate what are my motivations because I can slip towards motivations of performance or acceptance by other people and that can really drive me to try to meet this ideal that I feel like I should be um, and I mean different instances even if we see in Jesus's life he would withdraw to spend time with God and he was not always doing all the things or he wasn't in the temple constantly every second of the day um and even in the instance of martha and mary mary was commended for sitting at the feet of jesus and not going around being the one who's busy but so much in just our culture as a whole we can say like um like if we're not doing things or it can feel like if we're not doing all these things then you know what is i guess even our value almost um i think a lot of those safe people in my life have helped me to set realistic but ambitious goals um of how i can be outgoing like a lot of times when i walk into fellowship or i encourage people that if it is hard for them to socialize with all these people have a goal of meet one person or have one deep or encouraging conversation with someone um because that's where I shine. I love one-to-one conversations, talking about deep things, and I can meet needs of people when an extrovert's approach might be intimidating or overwhelming. And not saying that either introvert or extrovert is better or worse, but there are <coughs> definitely moments that if somebody's like, hey, how are you? It's all in my face. I'm like, I feel overwhelmed, and I want to <laughs> shut down, and just, I'm going to leave right now. <laughs> um but even with that, like, I have to give myself grace. Um, and especially, and additionally, because I do struggle with anxiety and depression. And there are days that I'm great and I can be outgoing and people be like, wait, you're an introvert? But then there are other times that I know when I'm struggling more with depression. It's like, okay, I need different boundaries at that time. And I need even more time to kind of recoup and... Um, just get re-energized and with that too sometimes I've needed some extra help and I've had counseling at different times to kind of um, sort out a lot of those thought patterns that I have that were really drilled in there Um, and another thing I've learned is that well I've needed to learn this. I know all of us do. We need to learn how we connect with God and to make time for it because it's not for any of us just a formula of read your Bible this much a day and then pray for this many minutes and you're good to go. But um, for me, like nature, I really connect with and music and journaling. And so when I make sure or protect space in my calendar and my time for those things like nature, I can go for a walk and sit by a creek and there have been times that I just kind of meditate on some of the scriptures about the Holy Spirit and how it's like living water and thinking about the water like flowing over these rocks and how it shapes them and just all of these 
different properties of it and um, just the beauty God's created out there. Um, I've also had to learn boundaries for myself and know my triggers. So for me, like if I start getting really exhausted and worn out or just irritable, like at some point I realize, oh, nine o'clock at night, if I'm at a party or hanging out with anybody, then we start getting irritable and we might have a not great interaction and I might bite somebody's head off. So <laughs> we're going to start, you know, it's getting close to nine o'clock. Okay. I'm going to leave. So it'll be better for everybody, <laughs> which it's not for not everybody's boundary per se, but I've just had to learn kind of my own rhythms and what I need to even just be righteous in those times. Um, I had to learn to accept that my boundaries look very different from others, but that's allowed me to teach other people too. Um, my mother-in-law is a disciple here, and um, when we were planning our wedding, we had a conversation that she's amazing. She is so spiritual, and we have a great relationship. But we had to have a talk about just how different our personalities are and our approach to the wedding planning was, and it was such a... Um, it's a conversation I'm still so grateful for today that got to express, you know, these are the things that kind of I'm dealing with, even in my job and anxiety and different stuff, and this is why I can't necessarily do all these things or deal with all these details of the wedding stuff and got to just kind of simplify. But, um, but just that conversation, though, really helped us to understand each other better and um, in a family, but even as disciples, just have a great relationship where we can understand where each other's coming from. Um, and when I accept who I am, and especially with the help of the people around me, then God really lets my gift show through. And there was one retreat, maybe last January, that I walked into, and it was very overwhelming because there were, I don't know, maybe 40-plus people in it was a large cabin, but in a cabin, and all socializing, and, you know, their little pockets and everything, and it feels so lost in that environment, but looking around, I found, like, at two different times, I found a woman who was sitting on kind of the outskirts, or wasn't totally pulled into one of those groups, and um, just had some great conversations, and later on, each of them came up to me separately, and just really thanked me for, like, reaching out, and, um, think just there was a need there that I was able to meet that was because I was an introvert and because that was kind of my comfort zone of like finding those people on the outskirts or who aren't engaged um, and talking with them so really at the end of the day um, I know we want to and we need to have a heart to serve God in the way we were created to and to maximize the gifts that he's given us, but also minimize the energy that I waste on trying to be who I'm not. Um, I mean, I push myself, and I know each of us do to be more outgoing than we naturally would and still take risks outside our comfort zone, but we also know our limits, and it's not from a heart of trying to weasel out of or make excuses for not living life for God, even though my internal dialogue can still condemn me um, with just those insecurities. But our model and ideal can't be others. They can't be the culture around us, um, especially others who God created just differently than us. And it's got to be just having our eyes on Jesus.
Okay, so turn over to Matthew 25 in your Bible. We'll, we'll get there eventually. you got about ten minutes to turn there. Um, but first I wanted to hit a couple of housekeeping things. Um, I know a lot of people entered the room uh, after we started, so I want to point out there's some index cards on the seat over here and over here, um, along with some pens. And those are for you to write questions if you have questions. Um, we're going to try to have a Q&A at the end. But if you'll put your email address on there, just in case we don't get to your question, um, we have a little Google group that we're, we're uh, handling things through, and we'll, we'll try to get to your questions after the fact. Also, there's a handout that was uh, being given out. Um, if you haven't gotten that, Brandon Whitney over here has the handouts. Um, and there is an email address on there for our little Google group that will email all three of us. Um, so you can send your questions after the fact to there. Um, so make sure that you have the handout and that you see that on there. Um, just wanted to make sure everybody was aware of that stuff. Oh, and for the recording, the email address is introvert-disciples at googlegroups.com. That's introvert-disciples at googlegroups.com um, because they won't have the handout. So, all right. Um, so introversion and extroversion exist on the spectrum we kind of talked about that a little bit so it shouldn't be too surprising if you're looking at the handout and you look at that list and you say that sounds exactly like me but that one doesn't you know as you're looking at the list and you're, you're like okay some of these fit and some of these don't you know not everybody's going to be the most extreme introvert ever or the most extreme extrovert ever you know we all exist on the spectrum and you really wouldn't be a balanced person if you were all the way at the end, right? Like, if you couldn't socialize at all with people and you were completely overwhelmed all the time, that wouldn't be too good, right? Um, the other end wouldn't be too good either, right? If you had to socialize all the time and you could not be by yourself. Um, you know, neither one of those things is really a balanced person, right? So so we exist on a spectrum. Um and there are other factors that come into play. Emmy spoke a, a bit about some of those, uh, you know, social anxiety or just general anxiety, uh, depression. Um, there's many aspects of your background and your community that can have a big effect on a lot of this. Um, and another thing, you know, shyness. That's kind of a different category, you know. You can be a shy extrovert. Um, there are extroverts who are shy in social situations and they have difficulty kind of coming out of their shell but once they're out of their shell they have a lot of good times and you know they gain energy from the experience but they're just they have difficulty getting over that hump you know um they're also outgoing introverts and i i'm one of those um i i feel like you know i don't have the shyness so much um and it can confuse people because when you don't have the shyness and you actually enjoy being in social situations people kind of tend to think you're an extrovert. Um, but I do have a lot of introversion, and I do have the energy drainage of being in social situations, and I think that that has a few rough edges to it, so I, I want to make sure I bring that up for people. Um, you know, outgoing introverts enjoy being around people, and they're often confident and friendly, um, but they still experience the drain that comes with engagement um, and still have the same battery, like Marcus was talking about, um, that every introvert has in society, but, you know, I think outgoing introverts feel it more acutely a lot of times because they actually want to be social. They want to go to everything. 
um, and might feel the you know the temptation to actually do it anyway, even if it's going to burn them out. Um, so, what I really want to talk about is budgeting, um, energy budgeting. You know, personally, I feel like you know I felt that pull as a young disciple to try to be at everything. Um, in part because I really wanted to, um, and in part because I was in a campus ministry and it was ingrained in the culture that you do not miss a meeting of the body, um, even if it's a party. <laughs> even if it's the end of the year party, you know, you're supposed to be there. Like, you're going to be offending somebody if you don't show up, like that sort of thing. Um, and committing to an event meant fully committing to be there beyond when I was tired because I didn't have my own vehicle. Um, I had to be there until my ride wanted to leave. And most of the time, that meant I was on the cleanup crew for the event because my ride was dating the event planner. Um, so, so I'm there. Like, you know, he, he's not going to leave. Um, I think every introvert really needs to think about their energy budget. Um, just as seriously as you think about a financial budget, I think you need to think about your energy that way. Um, and outgoing introverts in particular need that because, you know, people are going to treat you like an extrovert and like you, hey, you seem to want to do everything, so come on, do everything. You're going to be more energized if you do this, and they don't understand that that's not the way it works for you. Um, but, you know, I think really every introvert needs that. Uh, so imagine that you've got a certain amount of energy currency um, to spend in a given time and that you get income when you have recovery time. Really, treat it like money. Think about it like money um, because that really is your reality. You know, you are going to recover over time. You are going to need to take the time to recover. You need to treat that like you're getting income, like let's get this bread. I need the rest. Like, seriously. Um, so, so look at the activities that you've got in your day um, and think about how much they cost. You probably can't directly quantify that. Like, it's not an exact science, right? But you should have a decent idea. Um, we're in the U.S., so I'm going to talk energy bucks. I'm going to talk dollars. You know, is the activity a $5 activity or a $10 activity or is it a $500 activity? You know, um, you should know the difference for yourself. Um, and it really is for you. It might not be the same for the next person. It might not be the same for another introvert. Uh, but you need to know what it costs for you to do things uh, so that you can really measure that, so that you can really know, you know, what am I really spending and what is this really going to cost me and how do I need to plan around this? Um, you might not be able to figure out the cost of a special event in advance. Like, like something like this, you don't, you don't necessarily know because you haven't done it before. But the regular week-to-week -week things in your life, you know, you should be able to get an idea. So take the time to figure that out for yourself. Like, that's, that's a really big practical. Um, there's some odd things you might notice when you do that. Um, for instance, if I do three $5 activities in a row, that costs me 30 bucks, not 15. Um, I don't know how, <laughs> but it does. It's more draining doing them back to back. And if it requires me to drive somewhere, forget about it. Like, you know, at that point, if, and if I have to drive in a hurry and I've got people in the car, that's like a hundred bucks at that point. Like we're, we're in a whole different, in a whole different spectrum at that point of how much this is going to cost me. 
and I'm going to be wiped out at the end of the day. You know, you're going to notice things about like that for yourself. You know, it might not be the same things, but as an individual, you have to figure that stuff out. You need to be aware. Know thyself, and you will get a lot further as far as being able to use that energy effectively. Um, so think, think about, so, you know, when I say stuff like that, I know where people typically are going to go is, can I afford this activity? That's what you're really initially thinking about. But I also want you to, I want to encourage you to think about the event itself and why it costs so much for you. Start getting an awareness there. Um, is it a really noisy environment? You know, is, is there just booming music everywhere and, you know, everybody's talking all over the place, a lot of laughter? What is it about it that makes it cost so much for you? Like, like look at that after the fact. Reflect on that. Um, is it just a spontaneous and unplanned event and you just don't know what's going to happen? Um, you know, is it some particular part of the event that makes you feel uncomfortable or that puts you on the spot? The more you know, the more you know what it is that bothers you, the more you'll be able to look at the next event and say, okay, I know what this will really cost, you know, um, and the more you'll be able to react accordingly and plan accordingly, um, not just so that you don't get yourself into bad situations, but also so that you can plan around the ones where you're like, okay, this is going to cost a lot, but I still want to do it, you know, like, how do I, how do, I do that? Um, Consider what you might be able to do to adjust the price of the event. Um, you know, taking a break can be majorly useful, um, particularly when you're engaging in a lot of conversation or noise or spontaneity. Just being able to get out the room for five minutes can make a big difference. Um, I read this little line on psychology today. Um, at, at that social event, when you're feeling drained, a short walk outside may be the recharge you need, or maybe you can cut your stay short and leave early. Whether it is a break or cutting the time short or some other strategy, what will help you stay energized? And that's really what we want to think about. You know, there, there, are, there are other tweaks that could be useful. For instance, um, you know, consider how you want to react when certain situations come up. Um, think about that awkward family gathering for Christmas. Okay, I'm in a room with mostly singles, so I'm going to go there. Um, Think about that awkward family gathering when you know somebody's going to ask, so where's your date? When are you going to bring a date? You know, when are you going to bring a significant other? And you know it's a good chance it's going to happen, so why not think through your response in advance? Like, why not think through what you really want to say? Um, it's likely. <laughs> well, okay. But, but, but I'm saying, if you think about it in advance, it's likely you're going to respond with more grace than if you just say what you want to say in that moment um, and with less apprehension about it. Uh, then, if you know, if you take the time to ponder these things and to prepare your heart, um, not necessarily from an anxious place, but just thinking through it when you have the time to think through it um, and to kind of reflect and think about what is my best self in this situation? You know, what what is the thing that I want to pull forward out of it? Um, take the time to do that. You know, that can take a lot of the apprehension from that moment and kind of reduce the cost of that event for you. Um, so um, in general, you know, one of the greatest gifts of introversion is that we're comfortable being introspective. So use that, you know. Simulate a situation in advance. Use that skill that you have 
Um, because it's hard for a lot of other people. It's, it's hard for the extroverts a lot of times to be able to do that, to think in advance and say, how would I feel in this situation? That's your base. That's, that's where you can go that is very unique to you. Um, so use that. And remember, you've got a whole life to attend to. So you should consider this another area where you can be a good steward of what God has given you, you know, as you would with the real budget. Make sure you hit the necessities first. Um, make sure you're given, you've got enough energy to do the things that you really need to do with the appropriate amount of funds, you know, not, not halfway doing it because you're just burned out. Um, and make sure you take the time to rest so that you can get some new funds in that account and keep on. Um, you've heard the parable of the talents before, but that's, that's Matthew 25, so I wanted to take a look at that real quick. Um, Matthew 25, verse 14. Um, and it's talking about the kingdom of God. Um, we're probably going to look at this in a little bit of a different way than you guys are used to seeing it. But um, it says uh, in verse 14, it says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey. The kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. And to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work, gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought another five. Um, master, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. And the master says the same thing. Um, we'll move to verse uh, 24. It says, uh, Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, You wicked, lazy <coughs> servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the gold from him. And give it to the one that has ten bags. For whoever has has will be given more, and they will be they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worth, worthless servant outside into the darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, now I know that's a hard passage. Uh, <laughs> that's a really intense punishment. You know, um, it might feel like the last guy got a bad rap, but was he punished for coming back with no profit? Or was he punished for not even trying? I think it's the latter, you know. Um, I look at parables like this that talk about money, and everything that I budget comes to mind. Um, it's not just money, you know. It's money, it's time, it's energy. Um, God is looking for us to use the gifts we've been given. Um and hopefully to use them wisely and make a profit for his kingdom. Um, how do we do that? 
by managing them, by not squandering them, by not burying them under a rock so that we can return them exactly like they were received. Uh, we aren't told what exactly the, the guy with five bags of gold and the guy with two, two bags of gold did, but we know they made an effort and it bore fruit. Um, the last guy did not make an effort. You know, out of fear, he basically said, I want no part of your money. Um, I, I don't want to play this game. I don't want to take a chance. Um, and it kind of sounded like he wanted no part of the master, honestly. Um, he, he just didn't want to be that, you know, he didn't want to serve. Um, he didn't want to take a chance on it. Let's not be that guy. Amen? Um, we know that we serve a good God, and a lot of the things that that guy said, you know, doesn't sound like a good God. Um, but we know we serve a God who's patient with us. We know we serve a God who will forgive us if we make mistakes. Um, but he does have a mission, and he wants us to be a part of it. Um, it's telling that the other servant's reward is that they were given more to manage, right? God wants us to be a big part of his work. Um, he wants us to share in his success. Um, we need to use all the resources, including our energy, to win souls, to build our faith and others' faith, to encourage one another daily, uh, but also to sustain ourselves. Do not forget that piece of it. How crazy would it have been if the guy with five bags of gold, and let me clarify this real quick. We're talking, the, the, the word was talents. Um, it's a humongous bag of gold. Like, you know, the, the, the financial equivalent to it now would be $1.4 million in this bag of gold. And he had five of those. <laughs> like, um, how crazy would it have been for that guy to have starved to death? He had all the resources in the world, but he refused to use them on himself, and he died. And, you know, the master comes back and he's like, he's dead? What? Like, why wouldn't he help himself? Like, how crazy is that? Like, but how many disciples are starving? You know, how many of us are starving for energy because we're just wearing ourselves out and we're burning the candle at both ends and we're not sustaining ourselves? You know, take the time to figure out what that means for you. You know, take the time to sustain yourself. Living life to the full requires you to stay living. <laughs> like, and an introvert that is spending the majority of their time burned out is not going to be effective. Don't be that person. No one is their best self when they're exhausted, extrovert or introvert. And you have to put a value on your recovery time. You need to make sure that your lifestyle is sustainable. You know? And even the person with one talent had $1.4 million of gold. God has a high value on what you've been given. Don't give it a low value in your own mind. You know, everything is worth spending well. Um, I think in closing, I say there's a theme I see in, in all the things we're saying that I hope you don't miss. Um, you have to figure out what you need. Um, it's an individual thing. Um, know yourself. Know your strengths and weaknesses. Figure out how to best put yourself in a situation where your strengths come to the forefront 
and where you can work around and lessen your weaknesses. Like that's the that's the big message we want to give to you guys. You can do this, um, and we're here to help. You know, we we definitely want to help. So um, I guess that's that's pretty much what I had. Um, for a fee, of course. For a fee. Of course. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, if if we, what? Let's see, we're cutting. Well, we're actually pretty close on time. Actually, what, when was the class supposed to end? I forget. Two forty-five. Oh, dip. Okay, yeah, we're right on it. Um, so so uh, I suppose uh, we can take up the cards. Um, if you guys have written any questions, um, I apologize that we didn't have enough time to actually do a Q and A here. But we're we're totally going to try to get back to you guys about any questions you have and. And don't forget the, the email address on the, the handout um, if you want to post questions after this point. Um, but we really want to thank you for your time. Um, thank you for listening, and, and I hope it's really been helpful to you. Um, you guys have any parting words? Or? Yeah. Um, I guess uh, in what Brandy said, like, 5 plus 5 plus 5 is 30. Just remember that. Um, uh, um, I'm going to say, like, so, like, the class is, you know, the class is called How to Serve as an Introvert and Introverted Church. But really the idea is that, like, we want to get about this idea is that sometimes we look at things in the wrong way. And we need to see that we can be our best selves the way God made us when we change our mindset. That 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 real repentance, that metanoia. Uh, and so... Yeah, like that's that's all I have personally. So. Well, I think they pretty much wrapped it up. So thank you guys for coming.